Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and tonight I am joined once again by my good friend, the professor with the sharp elbows in the paint, <laughs> Ramesh Srinivasan. What's up, Ramesh? Hey, it's great to be with you on the podcast, man, and it was great to watch the game with you, and um, the sharp elbows were just completely accidental. I just have to say that. So. That's what Carl Malone used to say. <laughs> I don't quite have that bulk, but uh, you know, I might have that guile. <laughs> Brutality. <laughs> we are now two and one watching games and um, doing a podcast episode. So uh, the Warriors lost to the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix 104 to 96 in a, you know, semi-entertaining game. <laughs> uh, what were your impressions of, of this one, man? I mean, it was a it was a tough game. I mean, uh, we have to basically say that Phoenix's defense uh, won that game for them. Um, the Warriors were not really able to get on track in a consistent way offensively, and it was quite likely the worst game of the season for both uh, Steph and Draymond. So, you know, there were some things that Phoenix was doing, including putting Mikhail Bridges, you know, like Spider-Man style on Curry all game, knocking him around, knocking mm-hmm. him down. And Curry was rattled or off off balance. So we didn't really have consistent offensive flow. And Phoenix is tough. They play hard. They're extremely well coached. And they were playing at home, you know, and they deserve to win this game. And, you know, the tougher part is, you know, they lost Devin Booker. So we all thought, you know, that we could just pretty much coast and win this game. But I think in a game like this, there's great opportunity for the Warriors to say, hey, this is a great team we're playing on the road. Now we have a lot to work with. Now we now we know some of the things they're going to throw at us. So it's time to be prepared. It felt like a playoff game, but, you know, the Warriors are not yet a finished product. As we know, they have two very, very significant weapons that are uh, waiting in the wings here that are going to be coming, you know, eventually, I hope in the next month or so, Wiseman and Clay, And um, we'll see what this looks like. And in the shorter term, we're going to see what it looks like on Friday, what kind of adjustments we make. And we play at home. The two losses that they had so far against Charlotte and Memphis, those were games where no one could shoot. They just couldn't throw, throw it in the ocean. And I would say that's how the Warriors could lose this game, but they could also obviously lose this game if both their two most important players had their worst games of the season. And Steph was just, he he was missing badly, man. I was like, oh, okay, so this is the player Steph Curry would be if he couldn't shoot and he couldn't pass. (laughs) Because he was just throwing it off of everybody. He was falling down and his shots, it it looked like he and Jordan Poole switched shots because usually Jordan Poole, when he misses, he misses bad and offline. Tonight, Steph was completely offline. And what I think, what his, he shot four for 21, three Ooh. for 14 for three. Ooh. That is, that is Brutal. disgusting. That is, yeah. it, it, it's almost like the basketball gods were like, hey, the Suns lost Devin Booker. We'll take Steph Curry away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there were a couple air balls he threw up. It felt like early on he hit that one open three and like, okay, we're kind of settling in here. I mean, there were, I think there was one or two misses before that. And, you know, he had an open shot there, but he basically did not have any open shots. And it felt like there weren't enough sort of screens or what have you, like, or mechanisms for him to get open and plant his feet and, you know, and just launch one of his typical shots. 
there were those were very few and far between and you know in terms of like penetration and getting in the lane getting in the paint sometimes he got in there and like dished dished in but a lot of times we couldn't even finish uh because we don't really have you know great players at finishing inside yet you know we'll we'll see what Wiseman turns into maybe he can turn into a DeAndre Ayton you know I hope so I hope so. A lot of credit to Phoenix and their game plan, Monty Williams, and like you said, uh, Mikhail Bridges. I mean, he he has long arms. He's 6'6". He's the comp for Moses Moody. When we drafted Moody, it was like, oh, we want him to be like Mikhail Bridges. And he was all over Steph, you know, like those long arms, those quick young legs. And Phoenix, I mean, they have young, lively bodies who are confident. This team... They have that glow that the Warriors had after they won their first title. Obviously, Phoenix didn't win last season, but they have that confidence and they were bouncing around. And Aiton was able to keep up with Steph on the on the pick and rolls. He blocked his shot, his three-pointer, and he shadowed Steph when he would drive. And I was just really impressed with their overall scheme. And hey, the Suns, you know, they, they know who they are, right? Like these guys have been there and they know their roles and they've played in these battles, et cetera, et cetera. And they have a great floor general and a, uh, an excellent head coach. And not that the Warriors need, not that they have a, a long way to go, but as we know, they have more newer moving parts right. and they're trying to figure out who they are still. So, you know, at that upper echelon of the top two teams, Phoenix is more of a, a finished product. Yeah, Phoenix is is a little bit ahead of the Warriors, I would say, at this point. But we can see as quickly as on Friday whether there are some adjustments we can make because the the Warriors have perhaps their three of their four most you know effective scoring you know not scoring but three of their most like valued players like Wiggins didn't have a great game either right mm-hmm. Curry and Draymond were off Poole had a great game and Porter had a great game but that was kind of it and Payton yeah. was amazing GP2 was amazing but like yeah. there are adjustments that can be made and we're going to have to like look at what they were doing to us on defense and um and get a look at that i mean give them a lot of credit they play really well together they have experience right i mean they were up 2-0 in the finals <laughs> if i'm not mistaken <laughs> And um, CP3 hit a bunch of mid-ranges as well. Give him credit. Like, he was a pain in the neck. Like, you know, borderline dirty the whole time on every player he was defending. And he was often hounding Steph. It was him and Mikhail Bridges, like, kind of two-manning him. Right. You know, we know what Phoenix is. And we know that they're going to be there toward the end of the playoffs, most likely, unless there's an upset. And so now we have a good standard to look at. I mean, we are definitely a team that could have beaten them tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll beat them on Friday. I mean, I mm-hmm. am a fan. <laughs> that game's at home, and we have an opportunity to make some adjustments. And they probably won't have Devin Booker, right? Yeah. But yeah. let's see. Here's a great opportunity. That's the way I'm looking at it. Here's a great opportunity. And if we don't win the next game, that's okay, too. And I think that the opportunity to see the adjustments like you're talking about is kind of exciting to me as a basketball fan, as a Warriors fan, as a, as a hoops nerd. Because... Yeah, you just want to see like what Steve Kerr, what Mike Brown can come up with that can counter some of these things. And it does suck that Devin Booker isn't going to be there, you know, because you you want to see him not just to have the best players available and see the best game and the best competition, but you also want to see how to play him. You know, because Phoenix is going to be better towards the end of the season as well. And 
you know, I think these are the two teams that are going to be standing. I mean, when I talked about the season in the off season, it looked like the West was going to have a lot of very, very good teams, but it looks like there's only going to be a few, you know, because you look at Michael Porter Jr. going out in Denver, who's already missing Jamal Murray. Uh, The Lakers are not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're they're the Lakers. Uh, The Clippers, you know, they're not going to be there. Dallas isn't that great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's basically the Warriors, the Jazz, and the Suns, I think. And it caught me off guard how polished the Suns looked and especially their young guys, because I didn't expect them to be that comfortable, that poised. Monty Williams talked about being poised, so of course he emphasizes that. But sometimes you you know, like you're just like, wow. But we'll see what happens when they're at Chase Center. Yeah. I mean Cam Johnson played a really good game as well. What's the name of that backup point guard? He's excellent. Uh, campaign. Payne, he's excellent. I mean, he's, he had a couple threes. They work like a coherent team. They know their identity, exactly what we were saying. But they, the fact that they played all together really well in defense, Paul was sort of dictating the pace and the motion and the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they all played their roles really well. And this is exactly uh, what the Warriors are learning to do and are clearly capable of doing already. And they just have to keep executing it. The DeAndre Ayton problem in the middle, that was frustrating, right? Seeing him just like easily get a bunch of shots. He got a lot of bunnies. Yeah. Easy ones. Yeah. The dude has good touch. I didn't expect that. But I hope James Wiseman was somewhere in San Francisco at his apartment or whatever watching this game because come end of the season into the playoffs, they're going to need Wiseman in this game, you know, against the Suns team. Whether it's playing straight up or whether it's just being a body and fouling out <laughs> eventually they're going to need him because Aiton and then even JaVale McGee, yep. Olympic gold medalist JaVale McGee <laughs> uh, gave the Warriors problems. I mean, usually Looney is better against these bigger dudes, but not when they're as young and relatively athletic as DeAndre Aiton. I mean, that's just what I was going to say. Looney can hold his own against like sort of plotting bigs and even sort of, you know, just clog up the paint so that guards and so on can't get as great penetration and grab rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. But with someone like, you know, DeAndre Aiden, it's like, and even JaVale McGee, like we saw great, he, he played really well in his cameos, you know, I don't know how many minutes he played like, but both of them were are super athletic and springy. I mean, we remember how, how much hops JaVale has, right? And so yeah. the fact that they, you know, they just had a couple guys who were like, kind of, bouncy jumpy big enough and just much bigger than who than us i mean our biggest big is looney and he's pretty low to the floor you know i mean other than that who's our biggest leaper gp2 yeah he gets the highest on this team the next i mean the biggest body bielitsa (laughs) (laughs) he was he was you know he they were going after him every single time he was playing in the middle you know when we played these super small lineups and we had Bielitsa in for just being a big who could pass the ball. But, yeah. um, you know, Wiseman uh, offers a different dimension. I mean, he also can potentially tire those guys out. We can, you know, throw some lobs up to him. And, you know, I think the main challenge for Wiseman is going to be uh, figuring out defensive rotations and footwork and not fouling all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the goals now for Wiseman is not just to, like, you know, get him back on the court, develop him. It's like watch tape of this game of all the Phoenix games and be able to play like some of these centers, you know, just know what these guys do somehow, some way, 
because Looney and Bielitsa, when things get tight, it is going to get kind of, I mean, it was ugly already tonight. There was that one possession where we were like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Where Looney kept like fumbling and falling over. And, you know, I I, I know the kid tries, but hey, it was uh, some of these possessions were just really brutal to to see. And, yeah, it is it is what it is at this point. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk some positives. What positives do you take from this? Great experience, you know, playing on the road against a team. Remember, this team's also won 16 games in a row. Do you think they wanted to, like, lose that winning streak at home in front right. of their fans after sweeping their road trip, after beating the the Nets, you know, and, and the Knicks back-to-back, by the way. They just took out New York. It's really, like, just a great set of – there's a lot of, like, footage. There's a lot of stuff to work with that we saw there. I mean, there's also a script here we can see for how Wiseman – can be developed and fit in the Warriors, right? Like the Warriors, of course, are a little more free-flowing and less sort of, you know, Chris Paul, like kind of keeping up the pace in the case of uh, Phoenix and bringing it up. But, you know, Wiseman is one of the fastest bigs also. So I, so that really could work really well with our transition offense. So I think that we see some good examples of how we can make all our parts fit. When we look at what Phoenix does, and let's be honest, when we have Clay, you know, anywhere near full strength, just definitely, you know, if nothing else, just as a, a, a threat and and someone who's going to hit the three, right? Mm-hmm. We can see how we might want to counter what we saw today. So this is this is a I I don't mind this loss at all. I um, wish we had won, but I also think that this is good in terms of like getting us a sense of like what the kinds of challenges are going to look like and what the best types of teams are going to look like against us. Cause this is the best team we played all year, obviously. Yeah, definitely. You just move on, right? Like, cause the goal is not to be 73 and nine or 74 and eight and beat the record. It is to no. be ready at the end of the season. And you know, when Devin Booker went out, I was like, Oh, but I was also worried about a letdown and who knows if that, played into any of the sloppiness but regardless like end of the season we'll have Andre Godala we'll have Clay Thompson we'll have James Wiseman we might have some Kaminga minutes because that dude is a live body I'll tell you that much we need that with this team that like live athletic bodies big bodies athletic bodies are are what we what we need especially bigger guys because again our bigs are sort of plotting right at this yeah point. Yeah. But we have two, right? Kaminga and Wiseman waiting in the wings, right? Yes, yes. 
Uh, one more thing that I appreciated was Jordan Poole. He oh, was yeah. the one starter who shot shot well. I mean, what Wiggins shot four for twelve. I guess Draymond shot four for eight, but Poole shot nine for fifteen. Single handedly kept them in the game early on, and then Otto Porter Jr. came in and uh, shot the lights out. But the thing about Poole, you know, you watch him; he's still developing. He's not fully formed. So you're watching him and you're like, okay, this is just as helpful for him because the one thing that the Warriors, some of their draftees in the past and some of their supporting role players like the Omri Caspies and the Patrick McCaws, like those guys were afraid, right? And they were afraid to shoot that. Why should I shoot when Steph and Claire are right there and Kevin Durant, Jordan Poole's not afraid. And we're seeing that more and more every game. And that's, that's probably one of the bigger positives in terms of the roster tonight because he just went out there. He saved the Warriors from getting blown out, to be honest. And um, I I think he's built for these moments. He's got that cockiness to him. And the mediocre first couple of years of his career showed him he he needed to put the work in, and obviously he has. And, yeah, he's he's built for this kind of stuff. He's a gunslinger. He's unafraid, and he's also a playmaker. I mean, this are, these are all things that we wouldn't necessarily have known, like when we drafted him. What an incredible draft pick! The fact that like they, the Warriors also were able to develop him into this kind of player is amazing. He's a huge reason why we're a contender this year. And yeah, he's going to have his ups and downs, but he is, as you said, he's unafraid, and he plays. He was playing really hard. You know, and he basically kept us alive. So at the point, I think we were down two or something like that at halftime. We took a nine-point lead in the second quarter, and Poole was just raining it, making it rain. And then, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of foul or something like that stemmed the momentum where they, yeah. like, shot, you know, some free throws or whatever. But, you know, there's just, again, so much we can, positives we can take out of this. Porter is also, like, I mean, straight-up gangster. He's really yeah. he's stiff, but he's actually pretty, like, big and athletic and he's i wouldn't say bouncy but he he can but he has an inside outside game and he's a 40 plus percent three-point shooter yeah I mean, he's 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 a weapon so we got we we have a lot i mean i'm just so excited about where this team's going to be heading yeah yeah and i give respect to andrew wiggins because he had the back spasms earlier and he didn't look like himself his his iffy jump shot looked even iffier <laughs> and rim out. Uh, yeah yeah no one we commented about that no All one rim. rims out layups more than more than andrew wiggins just <laughs> every time it's just like rims out and um yeah that's that's kind of rough the other thing is that the warriors just had a ton of turnovers 22 turnovers to 12 yep. some of those were just disgusting turnovers steph had some hideous ones draymond had some hideous ones i mean you know, there's, there's so many passes in the Warriors offense that sometimes you'll have more turnovers, but I think uh, that's just something they got to clean up. I think we were down like three with about four or four and a half minutes left. And, you know, I think that was the time when I was like, all right, this is our shot. And there were multiple turnovers after that from Steph and Draymond. So, you yeah. know, that and then, I mean, the other thing I know we alluded to it is there were so many you know, attempts at the rim, tr- attempting to score at the rim in this game that we just weren't able to convert. I mean, Draymond, Wiggins at times, and Looney many times <laughs> just couldn't finish inside very often. In fact, GP2 was finishing more effectively inside than any of our other players. That guy's a good inside player. Yeah, he has really great high. touch. 
yeah, he's amazing. He's quickly become one of my favorite players. I mean, when he gets the ball down low, something good is going to happen, it seems like, right? Like, he'll have space to dunk it. He'll lay it up soft. And he also knows when not to shoot it and to pass yes. it out. So I, I appreciate his his game a lot. You know, I'm glad that uh, the Warriors saw this because, you yeah, they know the effort that needs to get brought. And you're right. The Suns really wanted this. I mean, I'm sure the Warriors did too, but the Suns were riding that winning streak. And like you said, they were at home and they wanted to put on a good show and they didn't want to have the streak end tonight in front of their home crowd. You know what? Here's to a Warriors-Suns rivalry, right? Has that ever existed before? Not really, because, I mean, you got to think about it, right? Like, the Warriors have only been good for basically the dynasty. So (laughs) anybody that wasn't a rival in the last seven (laughs) years is not a rival. I remember, I remember then when we played the Suns, we were both pretty young. Run TMC played Charles Barkley and the Suns in the playoffs. And I think we oh, no, that was the Weber team. That was Weber. That's right. That was after that. I was at one of those games. Oh, damn. The one That's where awesome. Weber did, did we behind get the back. In that? We did. Five-game yeah. series got swept. That was the game where Weber famously on the break went around the back and dunked on Barkley, and Barkley fell over. <laughs> but then Barkley, he scored 56 in that game and the Warriors lost. So <laughs> it was an amazing showing. Scoring 56 before the three-pointer became so dominant uh, is is always a sight to behold. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me once again, Ramesh. And hopefully next time we'll uh, – I don't like losing, you know, so hopefully we'll be three and one next time we, we watch and record. We've watched three epic games, and we've won two of them, and the season is young, and we're tied for the <laughs> best record in the NBA with the Suns. And we got an opportunity to – to go get him on Friday. Yeah. It's going to be interesting though, too. I, I It's like when the Warriors were at 73 and nine, remember the Spurs were another reason why the Warriors were chasing wins that year because yeah. the Spurs were damn good. And they, had, they ended up with like 60 something wins that year. Yeah. And they were right behind. So they were jostling for position the whole time. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate uh, you and having you on. All right, man. Thanks, man. This has been another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino or at Oakland Warriors. Hit up Ramesh for his non-basketball takes (laughs) at Ramesh Media. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you can, we would love it if you could leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs. <laughs>